America's hometown, Plymouth, Massachusetts, is the subject of Episode 70 of The Family Vacationer, and it starts right now. Welcome to The Family Vacationer with Rob and Danny, the go-to podcast for families on the move. Welcome, friends. I'm Rob. And I'm Danny. And welcome to another episode of The Family Vacationer. If you were with us in the last two episodes, and quite frankly, why wouldn't you be? Please hit that subscribe button. But if you were with us, you know episode 68, we visited the Canadian national capital of Ottawa, and episode 69 was a visit to Montreal. Both are amazing cities in Canada that are well worth a visit, so make sure and give those two shows a listen. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube. Today we're back in the good old USA as episode 70 has us taking a look at America's hometown. Plymouth is... It's such an important city to American history. It's home to Plymouth Rock, where the Mayflower landed some 400 years ago. And this town is a history lover's dream, which is me. They have well-watching, dining, shopping, and more wrapped up in a quaint New England setting. We're here for it all. Joining us today to talk about Plymouth is Paula Fisher. Paula's deputy director of Sea Plymouth, which is the official website for the town and county of Plymouth, Massachusetts tourism industry. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so nice to be able to do this. I appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate it too. You know, I want to kick things off. Rob and I are both history buffs. And we mentioned just a little bit in the opening about how historic Plymouth uh, is and how important the city is to American history. Uh, can you talk about some of the historic events that have taken place in the area? Oh, certainly. Uh, certainly the most important historic event that took place in the area was mm -hmm. 401 years ago when the yes. Mayflower sailed over from England mm -hmm. and uh, landed. Actually, it landed on the very tip of Cape Cod, which is now called Provincetown. Mm -hmm. And it spent about a month there, but they realized it probably wasn't the best place to settle. So uh, a month later in December 22nd, 1620, they came across Cape Cod Bay and landed in Plymouth Harbor. And, um, and the pilgrim story begins. <laughs> and then yeah. I think the, the next important occasion was one year later when those that survived the first winter were able to gather together and have a harvest festival, a harvest feast similar to what they would have done in England and when they lived in Holland uh, and that we now call the first Thanksgiving. Yeah. There, I can't tell you how many times my, my kids have reenacted that first Thanksgiving in school. It's it's always, always oh, fun to watch. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, even as a kid myself and, and my own children, although um, we're a little, little more cautious now in terms of the representing of the native people. And mm, uh, sure. we, we love to see people representing the pilgrims. But um, when it comes to the native people, there's a, a obviously a, a real sensitivity that we are much more aware of than we've ever been before when we've um, commemorated the, the landing of the pilgrims. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's a good segue. What are some of the different ways that families uh, can engage and learn about the history while they're in Plymouth? Well, certainly uh, the number one uh, attraction that we have here, it's called Plymouth Patuxent Museums. Uh, it is the caretaker of Mayflower II, which is the ship that was, uh, it was made as a reproduction of the original Mayflower. And it is down here on Plymouth Harbor at the Pilgrim Memorial State Park. Uh, and um, also Plymouth Patuxent Museums, plural, they have a recreated English village, a village as it would have looked within the first seven years of them arriving, oh, thatched wow. roof cottages with uh, clapboard sides and shingles, 
um, uh, that, you know, with, with people portraying the actual pilgrims who lived here. Uh, the other museum exhibit they have is the um, Patuxet home site. This region of, of what is now Massachusetts had, uh, this was called Patuxet by the pilgrims and the Wampanoag, I'm sorry, by the natives, the Wampanoag people who lived here said their area was Patuxet. Uh, and so mm -hmm. by, by adding Plymouth Patuxet museums, they also is a recreated 1636 a grist mill uh, where John Ooh. Jenny, um, instead of being a farmer, he became a, a, a mill grinder so that he was able to grind the corn for people and get paid that way, if you will. So those right. are the three major museum exhibits that Plymouth Patuxet Museums offers. The other one that's very special is the Pilgrim Hall Museum. It's the oldest continuously operated public museum in America. So wow. those are the caveats, mm -hmm. uh, publicly operated and, and, and oldest. And they have artifacts that literally did come over on the Mayflower. Constance, oh, wow. Constance Hopkins hat, Governor William Bradford's Bible, Peregrine White's cradle. Peregrine Wright was the first English child born in New England because we here know that uh, Jamestown was settled in 1607. So mm -hmm. uh, we're very grateful that the Pilgrim story seems to be a little more well-known than the Jamestown story, but we right. are aware of that. But um, it's a wonderful museum and every year they have new exhibits and they're in the process of creating a tapestry that will tell the Pilgrim story from their time in England, Leiden, Holland, coming here to this country the natives that they interacted with, that, that exhibit will be ready in a few years. And they do some wonderful things at Pilgrim Hall Museum. And just walking the streets, the same streets that the pilgrims walked up and down, built their houses on, gathered their water at the town spring where the, where the uh, grist mill is. So uh, if, if you can come here and, and just stroll and enjoy it uh, without having to even spend a lot of money if you don't have it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I think that might have moved up to the top of my bucket list. That is amazing. <laughs> well, you know, considering that there, there is such a historical significance to Plymouth, what do you think might surprise visitors to the area? Well, certainly the most surprising thing, and I, I will often say, and disappointing thing is Plymouth Rock. People expect, I believe, what they think they're going to come down to the waterfront and look out and see a rock, a, a rock the size of Gibraltar. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the case. No. Uh, but uh, Plymouth Rock is about one third of its original size. It's it's where it originally was, and according to some history, it was the only large boulder on the shore. It was a mm. marshy shore. And people came in and it was a, a large boulder. And just before the revolution, um, people, well, they, people decided that it was more, it was important. It had to be moved because they were gonna be building docks and wharfs. Uh, there was quite an industrial um, business, business going on here in Plymouth during that, uh, the 1800s. And they decided they needed to move the rock. It was in the way. And an mm -hmm. elderly gentleman came down and said, that's where they stepped when they got off the, not the Mayflower, the Mayflower would have been out in the bay, but the mm -hmm. ship, the small ship that brought them in, that's where they would have stepped in order to come ashore. So it became mm -hmm. a symbol of, of America, if you will. So they lifted it up and, and it split in half when they did it. And they brought it up to what is now Town Square, which is, you know, kind of like a little Liberty Square. And they called it Liberty Square during the revolution. Right. And then it kind of got neglected. It was brought back to Pilgrim Hall Museum that I mentioned earlier, and it was placed in front of the museum. And there was even a town person who would stand there with a little chisel and say, 
take home a piece of Plymouth Rock? Would you like to take home a piece of Plymouth Rock? And it got chipped <laughs> and chiseled and made into millstones and everything else. Um, but wow. then it was finally uh, brought back to its original site. But it is, as I say, only about a third of its original size. So people are okay. often disappointed in that. And that's about the only disappointment, I think, here in Plymouth. Well, now, sure. just a quick question. that there, There's a lot of debate about what happened to the original Mayflower, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, it, there is. Um, it, according to history and my knowledge of it, the um, original Mayflower, and there were many ships called Mayflower, because you'll have people mm -hmm. say, oh, my, in, my ancestors came over in the Mayflower, but it was a different Mayflower. Oh, yeah. Um, the original one actually was part of, of Queen Elizabeth I in the Spanish Armada. So, and that was that was in the 1580s or 85, I'm not sure of the date, but that was okay. in the late 1500s. And uh, then it was purchased by a gentleman, a man, I don't know if he was a gentleman or not. There's a huge difference between a good man and a gentleman in the 17th century. Uh -huh. the, okay. a, a master uh, of the ship, his name was Christopher Jones. Uh, we often refer to him as, people call him as the captain, but he wasn't a captain. It was a master of a ship in the 17th century. He purchased it and he's the one, person who owned it and he's the person who they agreed to take the passengers from England over here to the New World. Mm -hmm. uh, the ship previously had been used to take um, wood from Norway back to England, go to uh, France and get wine and bring it back. Um, and it's referred to in some of Governor Bradford's writings as a sweet ship because it smelled of wood and wine. Um, mm. Although certainly by the time 102 passengers came over and arrived here. It was no longer a sweet ship, I'm sure. Right. It did. <laughs> yeah. It remained through the winter. It didn't have to in terms of uh, the agreement was you get them there, you drop them off, you come back. But since they got to, to uh, Plymouth in six, in December, they were um, truly, it didn't make any sense to go back to England then. So they remained until the very beginning of April and uh, the ship went back. But we believe by around 16, 1623 or four or five, the ship was declared in ruins. And in London, across the Thames, over in the Bermondsey area, there's a tavern that's called um, the Mayflower Tavern, supposedly built of some of the, uh, the, the logs and the, carpent, the, the carpentry oh. that was the original Mayflower. And that was very common. Wood okay. was so <laughs> scarce in England. If you had a ship like that with all those huge beams, you wouldn't just toss them away. So mm -hmm. that's uh, pretty much right. It was probably around 25 years old, which was a a, a typical age for a merchant ship in the 17th century. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. It is. We're going to put you on the spot a couple of times, but, and I know this is a difficult question and it'll depend on the age of the children involved, but mm -hmm. if you were putting together a top five list of things for families that they absolutely have to do in Plymouth, and you may have already mentioned some of them, what would that top five list look like? Well, I did, uh, certainly Plymouth Patuxent Museums. I was fortunate enough to work there for 13 years. And my, and as I say, people actually portray the real pilgrims. I portrayed Governor Bradford's uh, sister-in-law, Juliana Carpenter Kempton. I portrayed his wife one year, and then I portrayed uh, a woman called Goodwife Cook. And um, mm. it's you just really get lost in the 17th century. And the museum right. itself has even more to offer, but I've got to say that is, that is a must. Um, and then the other thing is we have, we're right on, we're on Plymouth Harbor is on Cape Cod Bay, which is connected to the Atlantic Ocean. We have a, um, a company here called the Captain John Boats and they do whale watching. So those boats go out into the Atlantic to an area called Stellwagen Bank. 
-hmm. and they um, they take people out to watch the whales. And it's been very good lately uh, in terms of the whales being there to, to watch. So that's, I think that's a must. Uh, yeah. That service also offers a small passenger vessel that takes people from Plymouth, the 20 miles across Cape Cod Bay to Provincetown, which is a, a really interesting, interesting place. And it is, as I said, where the uh, Mayflower first dropped off the passengers. Uh, so that's that's a definitely fun. And then there's a, a paddle wheeler boat uh, with that goes out into Plymouth Harbor, goes around the um, uh, the lighthouse that's there, and brings people back. You can you can rent it for a, a you know a party or rent it for a birthday or a shower oh, or a wedding. Uh, so those are some of the things that um, I really think. And just to walk along Town Brook from the, the grist mill all along, right under Town Brook, underneath the main street, down to the waterfront where you go to Pilgrim Memorial State Park, where you find Plymouth Rock and Mayflower too. So uh, there's just, it's, it's a really beautiful area. Many people who come here for the first time are amazed at how everything is close. There's so much to see in a, in a small area uh, and it's just really enjoyable. All right. Well, we want to we want to ask a question for people who are already considering going, because I know if you're listening like me, I'm already considering going. <laughs> what about yeah. some family friendly lodging in the area? Where do we need to stay when we come? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is um, a hotel called the John Carver Inn. John Carver was actually the first governor in, in Plymouth. He was elected as governor on the Mayflower and he was governor for a couple of months and then he passed away but oh. so the john carver in and the reason i mention it is because their their pool is uh themed like like um it's got a mayflower ship bow and a slide oh. coming off of that their jacuzzi looks like like a hollowed out plymouth rock and uh and it's right in the heart of the historic district so that certainly comes to mind uh right. another another one that comes to mind is the best western plus cold spring it's their gar their landscaping is gorgeous. They have an outdoor pool, and again, they're right in the uh, his historic district, walking distance to, to almost everything you want to see while you were here. Mm -hmm. And then the Hotel 1620 is right on the waterfront, right on Water Street. With uh, depending on what room you're looking, right out at the harbor all the time. Uh, that's a slightly more formal, but we're a very blue collar laid back community. So you're, you're not going to find it, it's nothing's extremely posh that you'd feel uncomfortable. Families would really <laughs> enjoy uh, that. And we do have uh, seven or eight other hotels too, some brand name and some uh, privately owned. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm betting being in the area that you're in, that you can get a good cup of clam chowder in the area. Am I right? Uh -huh. Yep. Oh, yes. Uh, and again, <laughs> when I looked at the questions, uh, the first thing that came to mind is a place called Cabby Shack, not Caddy okay. Shack with a B, Cabby Shack with a B. His name is Cabby Brini, the owner. He makes a clam chowder that you literally put the spoon into the center of it and it doesn't move. It just mm. sits there. Now, some oh. people, you know, some people don't like it to be that that strong, but definitely I think we, and the, when you're in Plymouth at the waterfront, these boats that are going in and out are going out fishing. They're going out right. lobstering. They're going out scalloping. So mm -hmm. talk about some pretty fresh seafood. And there are eight restaurants on Water Street running from uh, Woods Seafood, which is the kind of, you know, you slide your tray along, order your fried clams or whatever, and then sit at the table with the red and white check tablecloths as you're watching things take place. Um, slightly more upscale, the East Bay Grill, which has outdoor dining most of the time. In fact, 
I'm sure in your area as well, there's a lot more outdoor dining going on since right. um, the last two yeah. years that, that mm -hmm. continues. Um, yeah. So no, the seafood here is incredible. Uh, and I know the North, the North shore of Massachusetts is known for its fried clams and they are mm -hmm. they're delicious, but I'll tell you, I, I have fried clams down here quite a bit, and, and they, they definitely com compare, in some cases, even, even better. So uh, lots of great seafood to eat here. Wow. Okay. So any unique dishes, obviously clam chowder, but in yeah. fried clams you mentioned, but any unique dishes that if you're from out of town that you should try? I think what people, when you look at the word Q-U-A-H-O-G, it's pronounced quahog, and a a stuffed quahog, in Rhode Island, they call them stuffies. We don't tend to do okay. that here in Massachusetts that I know of. A stuffed quahog, and basically it's a, a very large hard shell clam. And mm. when it, after it's boiled and the clam shell opens like all clams, um, then it's, it's mixed with bread and maybe uh, Portuguese linguiça and flavorings. And it's made into a stuffing, similar to a stuffing in a turkey. And then uh, it's put back into the shell and closed up and baked. And then when you open it and you put melted butter on it, it a stuffed quahog, I think, is definitely something that a lot of people aren't aware of. That that's the oh, very first thing that came to mind. Goodness, yes, I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, I'm looking <laughs> at pictures right now, and I have to stop. <laughs> I looked it up immediately. It came up. It must know we're talking about it because it came right up. Oh, but I, I've never heard of that though. But it really does look good for sure. Yeah, well, apparently the, the word quahog is a, is a, a native a native uh, Wampanoag Patuxent word. Apparently, quahog. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Rob and I will keep ourselves very busy there. <laughs> yeah. What are some festivals that uh, take place in and around Plymouth? Well. The first one that, the main one I should say is um, 25 years ago, a gentleman, don't know his name, um, decided that it was, it was, we wanted to get people here before Thanksgiving as well as on Thanksgiving day, which you can imagine is pretty busy here. So the Saturday before Thanksgiving, uh, there was created what we now call the America's Hometown Thanksgiving Celebration. And it, over the last 25 years, it has done nothing but grown and grown and grown. Our local Boston TV station here, they send for the last seven or eight years, their uh, talent, if you will, the, the weather person, the newscaster, the, all of the, their, their uh, traffic person, they come, they've been coming down and they are the, the general, the masters, if you will, of, of the parade. But uh, it, it, there are um, bands that play the night before, the parade itself is the main feature, and there are thousands and thousands of people who come down to watch the parade. And it's a it's a parade of history. It almost it usually starts out with the Native American influence, and it goes through America's timeline of the Pilgrims coming and the different uh, events that have happened in America in between you know bands and and and, and dancers. And uh, this year they had um, airplanes, uh, helicopters were dropping. Um, CBs, you know, sea-related sea uh, people out of the out of the um, top of it and dropping them into the water and rescuing them. Uh, it's <laughs> just, it's really, really fun. So that takes place the, the uh, Saturday before Thanksgiving or the weekend before Thanksgiving every year. Another one is the our Chamber of Commerce here does a waterfront festival the last, the next to the last or the last Saturday in August, and that has grown too as well. That's that's a really big festival. And then a, a small festival that not many people know about. The, the Pilgrims were not very, they didn't think that uh, Christmas should be celebrated or any of those holidays because it doesn't say anything about 
when exactly that happened in the Bible, and they would yeah, right, right. Bible followers. So on December 22nd, it's called Forefathers Day, and that's the day that pil pilgrims landed in Plymouth. And mm -hmm. for years, that superseded uh, Christmas. That was the holiday that you cared about. The Christmas was nobody oh. nobody cared about. So on December 22nd, we have we we commemorate Forefathers Day in Plymouth. And one of the things that I didn't mention in terms of something you need to see here is our forefathers monument. It's on a hill called Allerton Hill, which is Allerton was one of the original um, Mayflower Mayflower passengers, and it's it's our Statue of Liberty in a way. Rumor has it that the gentleman who created the Statue of Liberty in New York saw the forefathers monument, and that's where he got the idea. I don't oh. really think that's true, but I I, I can't <laughs> not say it just in case it is true. Yeah. But it's right, a beautiful right. a statue, a solid granite statue of the, um, her name is Faith, and there are different tableaus around about education and religion, and it's quite impressive. It's a shame it's not closer to the waterfront. It's only three blocks up the hill, but a lot of people don't see it. You do see it when you're out in the bay on one of the boats I mentioned earlier. You're coming in, and all of a sudden it's like, what is that? It's a statue with her <laughs> hand raised, and it's, and it's, quite, it's quite impressive. So that's our, that's our, our small uh, forefathers day that not even a lot of Plymouthians know I think about it, but, oh, and the interesting thing is, there's a men's club here that's been around since 1759, the old colony men's club, I believe it's the oldest men's club in the country. And uh, the next morning, they put on their top hats and their, their black ties and their suits. And they drag a cannon to the top of a hill called Coles Hill, and they fire off the cannon at six o'clock in the morning to commemorate <laughs> the landing of the pilgrims. They, their oh, wow. organization believes they landed on the 23rd instead of the 22nd. So, oh, okay. <laughs> huh. Well, last time putting you on the spot, what are your personal favorite places in the area? Well, I think... Very often, my husband and I live in the next town, which is Kingston, Massachusetts, and I mean, right. literally five, five miles from Plymouth. And very often, just out of the blue, it's let's just go down, park the car and go to Pilgrim Memorial State Park. It's the, it's the smallest state park in Massachusetts, but it's the most visited state park in Massachusetts. And there are benches along the waterfront. You're just staring out at the boats, whether they're harbored, whether they're coming back and forth, families walking, people walking their dogs. And um, this year, or I should say a couple of years ago, our chamber ordered a number of giant scallop shells. Uh, we, I say scallop here. I know some people say scallop, but I, I can't mm. myself to do that. Uh, <laughs> they ordered uh, numerous scallop shells and asked different companies and businesses to sponsor the scallop shell to be designed by an artist. And that's a great family activity to get the scallop shell mat from our visitor center on Water Street and just go and visit all the different scallop shells. And you can see people, you know, kind of checking them off as they go along. But you can just sit there for so long and just watch the world go by. The other favorite place, some years ago, in order to make the harbor a little safer than, than it was before they did this, they built this very long jetty that goes out from the waterfront out slightly into the harbor that creates another safer bay for the boats to come uh, in and around on. And it's um, just large rocks that people are, you know, taking their families down to the end and walking back and forth on the jetty. That's another nice place. And then the Pilgrim Bell paddle wheeler, especially when you do a sunset cruise, you go out during the day, 
you go around what we call it's bug light b-u-g not b-u-d <laughs> there's a difference <laughs> you go out uh, out on on bug light and uh just go around that and and come in to, while the sun is setting and you're just looking at the the skyline which you know we're we're a town nobody can build higher than than three stories so uh, oh. and church steeples but and then they say we're on, we're on a hill. The very top of the hill in Plymouth is called Burial Hill, and that's where a number of pilgrims uh, are are interred, are oh. interred as well as centuries of Plymouthians and their descendants. And you can just look up and see Burial Hill uh, at the top. It's it's a good view. That sounds awesome. I know, uh, like Danny said, this has moved to the top of my bucket list of places that <laughs> I would definitely like to visit. Information on Plymouth. Uh, consult your travel agent and visit cplymouth.com. Paula, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you so welcome. much. Okay. And great. let me just add uh, C Plymouth. We have a C Plymouth app as well. That's amazing. So by all means, check that out too. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're thank welcome. you. Thank you. Lots of great information from Paula there. You know, Plymouth would be the perfect town to visit when your kids are studying American history. I've long wanted to plan an educational vacation like that when my kids are studying American history, just kind of pack them up and take them someplace where they can see and feel the history. Considering Plymouth is only 40 minutes from Boston, just think of all the historical sites you could take in on one vacation. Now, if you're ready to plan your visit to Plymouth, I would love to help you plan that vacation. As a certified travel associate, my services are always free to my clients. Just drop me a line at rjones at starstufftravel.com. And that does it for this week's show. Join us next week as we look at New Orleans, Louisiana, and always known as a city where it's easy to have a good time. You might be surprised at all it really does have to offer families. So join us next week. Thank you for listening to The Family Vacationer. Make sure and subscribe to hear more of Robin Danny.